Welcome to the Seahawkers Podcast with your host, Adam Emmert. It is astounding, the technology that's in a phone. And Brandon Schultz. I like having an angry Earl Thomas on the team. That could be really good for us. Go Hawks! This is episode 217 of the Seahawkers podcast. I'm Brandon Schultz of the Military Seahawkers. And joining me as we lead up to week one of the regular season of the NFL, my good buddy, Adam Emmert. Yeah, it was a... uh Hard, I lamented 217. It was hard to decide whether this was going to be episode 217 or just bonus. We we struggled through it. We we thought about it and uh, we said, okay, let's do it. Yeah. So here we are. Here we yeah. are. Yeah. It's a good thing that we have a real episode because Earl Thomas is back with the Seahawks, Adam. That is big news. That's worthy of it, almost its very own show. It is huge news. We talked about it a little on the last pod, uh, the first one we put out this week. And, um, you know, the idea that I... I had said I would love for him to be back week one, but I, if I were him, I'd probably hold out to week 10. You kind of in your gut felt like it was going to go this way. Um, we heard some rumors, more Cowboys rumors, which is freaking hilarious. <laughs> yeah, that, that's pretty much it. And he's here, uh, although it uh, doesn't seem super, super stoked. What kind of no. old Thomas are we getting? No, we'll get into that. Uh, we'll get into the the practice squad signings because those are always exciting. And and as we mentioned, the fifty three. No, they're not. We're going to spend the, three minutes on the practice. Squad. I, I don't even know if we'll, we'll spend that long. But the, we okay. were we were correct on the last show that the fifty three man roster was not final. Uh, <laughs> they made funny. some moves, and uh, we'll we'll get into that. And we have an interview with Doctor David Chow, a former uh, physician with the team doctor. With the he's cool. San Diego Chargers, yeah. Yeah, he's cool. It kind of gives you a little bit more insight into how uh, the medical side of the NFL kind of works. It's great. I hope to be able to pick his brain in the future when we, we have injury questions and that sort of thing because he's very insightful. Well, let's get into it. We can talk a little bit about the game coming up against the Broncos. And, and of course, we got to get to our picks. Uh, but let's talk about the real news. Earl Thomas. He is back in Seattle, and as you alluded to, Adam, we, we don't know if we're getting happy Earl or uh, discontent Earl. Uh, he posted on Instagram, worked my whole life for this. I've never let my teammates, city, or fans down as long as I've lived and don't plan on starting this weekend. With that being said, the disrespect has been well noted and will not be forgotten. Father Time may have an undefeated record, but best believe I plan on taking him into triple overtime when it comes to my career. Yeah, it uh, sounds like he is a little pissed off that he thinks the Seahawks are close to thinking that he's done. Uh, like they, He doesn't like that idea, and uh, he wants his money, and he's going to play a long time. And uh, I don't think it'll be more than this year with the Seattle Seahawks. I think he will be gone at the end of this year. I don't know. I don't know if that's the case. I mean, we don't know who this disrespect that he's referring to is pointed at. Oh, that, that that's to the organization. Yes. Because what, the first thing that I thought of, which I've been thinking of all offseason, is the disrespect from the Cowboys to not even consider trading <laughs> him for more than a third round pick. Well, apparently they considered trading a second round pick. Apparently they did. But isn't that still just just as disrespectful? I mean, the dude is 
he's a great player in his prime. Yeah. In his yeah. prime. And we saw Khalil Mack get traded for two first rounders to go to the bears and get paid. And yet all the other teams in the NFL had the opportunity to do make a similar deal. Now, and the Seahawks weren't asking for two number ones like they were for Mac. I right. think that goes to the scarcity of the position. But other teams had the opportunity to, to make a similar deal and pay Earl Thomas, uh, you know, an extension. And not, nobody took Seattle up on it. Apparently, it, the highest was the second round pick from from Dallas that was reported on. The, the thing is, too, is that even if Dallas pulls a trigger on that trade and the Seahawks agree, right? Um, I'm not sure how Dallas pays him with their salary cap structure and those sort of things. I, I don't know that that's doable for them. After they dropped Dan Bailey, I, I think they had room. To re to restructure or just to cover his current contract? Because my understanding was it was that would only cover his current deal. Yeah, well, they would need to do that. But I think even long term, after this year, I think Tony Romo's off the books. And, and so it opens things up a little bit more for the Cowboys. But mm. I, I think they would have been able to do it. Now, uh, another sign of disrespect, they signed another former Seahawks defensive back, uh, Jaron Johnson, and gave him number 29 before Earl, uh, you know, this all happened. So, yeah, they, definitely. That's where the disrespect come from. It's not from uh, the front <laughs> office of the Seattle Seahawks that refused to give him more money. I think, uh, that's I definitely think he, not could, he could point to uh, fingers at everybody he could point to the fans who are talking trash about him no i think he's pointing fingers towards one place you can't disperse the blame dude like we 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 have to accept as a fan base that we pissed off earl thomas and you know rightfully so i can't really blame him so it's just how it is yeah he's gonna be gone at the end of the year like this relationship is is no good right now i'm not willing we're, to say we're entering, i'm not we're willing to Kawhi say that leonard type you know, air here. Wait, we're close to the Kawhi Leonard level. Well, one person on Facebook suggested that uh, the Seahawks will now wait until after they play the Cowboys in week three before trading him. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Or, I mean, like, there's always the possibility, and we've seen this happen before, that before the season's up, they end up extending him. I think they could. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that that's an impossibility. I just... I don't know, man. Hey, whether or not Earl wants to sign that extension with the team, I, that's hard to say. Whoever is going to pay Earl the most money will have Earl Thomas next year. Right. And that yeah, may end up being the Seahawks. Yeah. yeah, that's true. So we will see. The 53-man roster wasn't final. They're going to have to find a spot for Earl now. Uh, well, they got a roster exemption to allow Earl to practice in the meantime, and then I think they can make a decision on Saturday. If he's going to play on Sunday, then they're going to have to kick somebody off the team. who will either go to the practice squad or yeah, after they would have to clear waivers first. The Seahawks did pick up guard Jordan Simmons from the Raiders. I like the idea of picking up an offensive lineman that Tom Cable didn't think was good enough to make the team because uh, that's worked out well in the past for when, Se yeah. when the Seahawks have cut linemen. There, yeah, there's something to be said for that. It would be a pretty big FU if the, he turned out to be a good player uh, over time, but it sounds like it's going to take a lot of time, a developmental guy. Yeah, well, he just has to be better than Reese Odiambo, who they cut to make room for Jordan Simmons. That makes me sad a little bit. I, I really did like Odiambo. I, I liked Odiambo, too. According to Pro Football Focus, it looks like he's that uh, Simmons is more uh, inclined as a pass blocker than a run blocker. So you could see why Tom Cable may have wanted to get rid of him. Yep. The Seahawks also picked up defensive back Simeon Thomas, who was drafted by the Browns in round six out of Louisiana. And 
Uh, this guy's apparently the cousin of Marvin Bracey, who was with the Seahawks in the preseason. You probably you probably don't recognize and, Marvin Bracey because you didn't watch uh, the the Oakland game very much. No, yeah, and I there. don't even know who this dude is that you just talked about that he's his cousin of. I, no. whoever, Simeon Thomas. Matter. Yeah, he's no. well. Pete Carroll uh, is you know when he's looking at the fifth and sixth rounds at corners with really long arms. Yeah, sometimes they work out. Yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Cool. <laughs> some of the some of these like bottom end of the roster transactions this time of year like it's it's hard to get excited about let's put it to you that way yeah. well brandon jackson was let go to make room for thomas that was kind of the guy that along the defensive line that we had pegged as maybe the weakest link on on the defensive line and mm-hmm. now he's gone yeah i'd still like him as a player so that does it is a bummer uh depth wise but uh i'll take her all back and by gone, I mean he went to the practice squad. So, right. So he could always come back. And really, he's not gone. He's just on the practice squad. So, right. Right. Uh, and he's there along with Akeem King, Alex Magoo made it, Caleb Scott, uh, one of the receivers we saw in preseason, and Keenan Reynolds on the practice squad. Yeah, I was happy to see that for sure. Jordan Roos, another notable name. I, I'm surprised he didn't get snatched up by somebody else, actually. Then he could get to the practice squad. A little bit. Had to fight for Magoo. Had to fight for him. Yeah, we had, they they paid extra to to get him in to be on the practice squad. Sounds like there was a bidding war with the Patriots. Good catfish. Those guys. Yeah, and then they then they picked up Amaro Darbel. Good luck with that. Uh, and then they promptly dropped him. I think four days later. Yep, that's about as much luck as they were going to have with it. Yeah, I think I read the same deal that they had to guarantee essentially Magoo's salary for the season. By keeping him on the practice squad in Seattle. I'm happy with that because I actually, I mean, I know he's raw and like all that, but you know, he's got an NFL arm and surrounded by good coaching. I think that uh, his decision-making can get a little better and he's obviously mobile enough. I guess potentially to be a solid backup in this league. Well, we do have a game coming up against the Denver Broncos on Sunday. It's, it's finally here. Uh, a couple notes. On the season opener under Pete Carroll, the Seahawks only one in four in road openers. But that one win. It's hard to play on the road. It is hard, especially <laughs> yeah. in an opener. Yeah. On the other hand, 100% of the time we've won our road opener with Pete Carroll, uh, we've won the Super Bowl. So set your there expectations you accordingly. Yeah, won that Super Bowl against Denver. Uh, so kind of ironic we're playing them uh, this, this Sunday. But uh, it'll be an interesting matchup. I mean, these are two teams that... As I go through all the different power rankings, which are always hilarious this time of year, because good luck <laughs> yeah. making your power rankings beforehand, right? The idea is, is that these are two teams that I see flip-flopped a lot, right around 20, 21, you know, right in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so in most people's minds, a fairly equal matchup. I think they're both teams that have enough question marks that everybody's kind of like, yeah, I'm not sure about these guys. Either they could be really bad or really good. I don't know what it is. So it's an interesting matchup that way, for sure, because that vaunted Denver D has definitely uh, lost some personnel, much like ours has. Mm-hmm. They've got young guys they're relying on. It'll be crazy. But to me, what is going to kind of be the tail of the tape is we're going to find out right quick if this offensive line is any better or not, because Denver's D line is is pretty, pretty stout. The Denver's D line is still stacked. It's the and you got Chris Harris Jr., who's still a corner. Apart from that, though, the secondary has a lot of questions for Denver. Linebackers questionable. pretty good. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, for a slot guy. Correct, yeah. 
And then, you know, the Denver offensive line is probably just as questionable as the Seahawks offensive line. Especially their right side of their offensive Especially line. Especially the I mean, right that's, side, yeah. That's, it's not, yeah. Um, you know, talking to our good buddy Jared about that, like he was very concerned about that. I would expect Frank Clark to uh, do a lot of work uh, on that side of the defensive line. Um, and Case Keenum not exactly being the most mobile guy. And uh, also not known for being the, the best under pressure. You're going to have to get after him, rattle him just a little bit. Uh, and then I... I don't really see that Denver run game being something that you uh, that should make you shake in your boots. I, I think that's something that we should be able to shut down with Earl Thomas back, Shaquille playing well uh, out of corner, um, and even having the the brothers Griffin on the field at the same time. I think that's going to work out well for us in this game uh, with Shaquem getting a start. I don't know. I like our chances here. If I uh, if I had to make an official prediction, I'd say we win by three. It'll be like. 20 or like by four, 21, 17. I think it will be close. And I liked what I saw from Case Keenum in the preseason game against Washington. Uh, he was getting rid of the ball quickly, uh, but Washington wasn't getting a whole lot of pressure on him. So right. it's, uh, and hitting a lot of thro- Emmanuel Sanders looked really good in that game. Mm-hmm. So, I'm really curious to see how this is going to work out. I think Denver's probably going to be better than most people think. But uh, I, I think that same way goes for the, the Seahawks. I wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks lost this one out of the gate, you know, going up to mile sure. high. And you know, just teams don't see, especially early on in the season, teams do not do well going from, you know, their offseason conditioning to playing a full game and playing it in a high altitude. I mean, there's all those factors, plus home opener. Everybody's yeah. fired up. Oh, it's yeah. just, there's a lot it's of- just tough. It, it's tough, but... It's short travel for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, you don't have to. Thank goodness you don't have to play, say, like in uh, Miami yeah. week one, you know, and it's 103 degrees or San Diego. Carolina, like we saw. In the- right. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be perfect football weather. So, you know, that's helpful as well. Because that was the game in 2013 that I think they won 12 to 7. And yeah, that kind of heat. So you don't have to deal with the heat, at least. And the right. and the long travel, so that is yeah. that's a bonus, and you get to deal with opening day Case Keenum, who historically uh, he's only started one game on opening day, and mm. it went terribly for him. Okay, it was with the Rams in 2016. He was seven to 35, only you know 48 percent completion, 130 yards, two ints, sacked twice, and uh, the San Francisco 49ers beat the Rams 28 to nothing. Yeah, so I don't think Case Keenum is that bad. Like, I think he's improved. I, I also don't think he's as good as he was with the Minnesota Vikings. I think he's a below average quarterback that can kind of get you by, like a spot starter. Uh, and uh, I, I think that'll show. You know, one thing, talking to our buddy Jared is like, I was like, hey, this is how you're going to beat us. Like, just put Von Miller over top of Fetty every single play, and you, you can probably win. And he goes, oh, let me tell you how you guys can win. Just run back every kick. <laughs> He's like, our special teams is atrocious. Oh, wow. Look for Tyler Lockett to have a big day. I, You know, we, we look at the year that Case Keenum had with the Vikings last year, and it wasn't that he was all that great. He was good enough, essentially, with the Vikings defense that he had. Mm-hmm. And he was up and down. The first game that he started with the Vikings, 
you know, it, it was a similar start to the one that he had with the Rams in San Francisco. So he might be a quarterback. I mean, looking at his games, the first start of every single season, mm-hmm. it hasn't been good for him. He's yeah. had maybe looking at the looking at the games, he's had one good start, and that was back in 2013 when he's with Houston and he had a QB rating of 110 and had 60 percent completion. Other than that, his very first game out of the gate, mostly under. 50% completion percentage, the one against the Vikings last year, or the one with the Vikings against Pittsburgh last year, he was at 55 or 54% completion. So mm-hmm. he might just be a guy who has jitters straight out of the gate in the first game. And that could, uh, that could be a plus for the, for the Seahawks. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, again, we're all trying to predict how all these teams are going to perform without having watched these teams be this version of themselves. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's just almost impossible to predict. But the one thing that will make me throw my hat across the room is if we constantly don't cover the running back. Because I think I told Jerry, it's like, yeah, right. if you want to be, just throw it to the back every time. Just, yeah. just, 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 just dump it off there. That's eight yards every time. And like, they're super high on Royce Freeman, the rookie running back. Yeah. It's, the, the, the organization says that uh, some of the fans I've talked to, not quite so much. Well, Adam, what do you say we move on to our interview with Dr. David Chow? And you're going to want to tune into this just to have some insight of what a team doctor has input on uh, when a, a player is trying to make it back to the field. So you can keep that in mind with some of the Seahawks players and the injuries we've had questions about. Uh, we're also going to talk about Doug Baldwin and what his expectations are for Baldwin going into the season, despite his comments that he made at his press conference last week. It, it'll pick up your spirits, people. I'm telling you. Joining us on the show this week, Dr. David Chow, former team doctor for the San Diego Chargers. And he has a new podcast out uh, where he's talking about injuries. And, and D- Dr. Chow is a go-to injury expert. And we thought with Doug Baldwin's recent announcement about his knee uh, with KJ Wright going into the first week of the season injured that David be, would be a good one to bring on and talk about that going into the first game with the Broncos coming up. David, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. So tell us about you're kind of new to the, the podcasting gig. Now you you've uh, started, gosh, what was it? Just uh, this, this last month and you're, uh, and yeah. you had John Clayton on your show. You had Ian Rappaport on. So you, you're starting big, David. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know if you listened to it yet. We're, we're, we're still working out the cakes. And the ironic thing is that, look, I, I'm new to, I'm an old guy, you know, I, I'm new to even social media. I don't do Facebook or Instagram. I mean, Twitter, I just happened on because my wife said, that, you know, literally after, after 17 years with the San Diego Chargers, I'm sitting in my couch for the first time watching football, and I'm looking at an injury going, they're talking about his ankle, but it was his knee, you know, and, and she turns to me and literally says, tell it to someone who cares, and signs me up for Twitter. <laughs> And I'm like, what's that? And uh, it sort of took off. And, and every year, I've done a couple of years now, you know, uh, something new uh, became the Sirius XM sports medical analyst, now writing for the LA Times and San Diego Union Tribune. But this year's new thing is is podcasting. Everyone says podcasting is the way to go. You guys are ahead of the curve. And I'm embarrassed to say that uh, I'm not sure I know how to download a podcast or I've even officially listened to one. But, uh, you know, uh, Twitter, the, the characters are so short 
that you can't get across your concepts. So that's where the writing came in. And quite honestly, podcasting, I think, is even better. I mean, uh, for example, it allowed me last week to talk about Carson Wentz at length and do some video analysis to really explain my thoughts uh, in, in a full manner. And, uh, and yeah, thanks. I've been lucky. I mean, uh, I've, I've ended up... Uh, uh, conversing with a bunch of guys in the industry, and uh, Ian was nice enough to come on. I wanted John Clayton on as my first guest because of uh, his uh, relationship to injuries and how he reports injuries, and, and we spent, spent some good time talking about his famous Sports Center commercial. And then uh, last week, the great Alex Marvez, and uh, coming up this week, it should be uh, Adam Kaplan. So uh, been very fortunate that way. You mentioned how you got into it, you know, just with your your wife telling telling you to talk to somebody who cares. But were you were you a little bit surprised just how uh, I guess little educated injury information is out there online? Because I mean, we can see an injury happen, and we it, it can look sometimes it doesn't even look serious. I mean, take the case of Cam Chancellor uh, in his last game against the Cardinals last year. You know, he walked off the field, he looked like he was fine, and then. He retires for the Seahawks, and I mean, we never get to see him play a game again with Seattle. No, no, no question. It's a tricky business, and uh, you know, people who don't know what I'm doing, the first thing they say is, "How do you know you haven't examined him? You're sitting on your on your couch." And my answer is, "You're absolutely right. I'm sitting on my couch, and how do I know? I don't know for sure. What I say is, I deal in insider knowledge, not insider information." Insider information can land you in jail with the SEC, but the insider knowledge can make you a lot of money. And uh, that's what I deal in. This is the, the work that I've done for a long time. And while I was with the San Diego Chargers, I had the fortune of examining a guy on the field, on the sidelines, in the locker room, uh, Monday morning after an MRI. And then uh, we would go upstairs to look at film. Not sure why, just, you know, everyone looked at film and, you know, you, you want to get better at your craft. And so I would always for 17 years go up and look at injury film upstairs uh, and kind of reverse engineer what happened and just to try and learn a little more about the process. And I had no idea how it might be useful in, in, in this way. And when I started, I said, well, you know, you know, pundits pick games and 10 and 6 is a good week. So, uh, I'm like, I can be 10 and six. I thought I could be, you know, 13 and three looking at injuries. I've kept track of the first three years I did it in those mid nineties in terms of accuracy, not every player, not every injury, but if I see enough video then, and I give an opinion, um, I've been fortunate to be in the mid nineties, uh, in terms of uh, accuracy and people find that surprising but not really, because if you go to the doctor and you say you hurt your knee, what does he say? What happened? How did you do it? Well, what happened? How you did it in an acute injury is the video. That's what happened and how you did it. And that's why, uh, you know, we can have some uh, accuracy and, uh, and, and try to give some insight. The other thing I try and say to people is if you're getting audited by the IRS, do you want a good accountant or do you want a good accountant who used to be an IRS agent? And having worked in the league on the other side, I kind of know the the coach speak. And, you know, uh, I love Pete Carroll, a big SC fan from Southern California. But, you know, when he says something, like sometimes you try to read between the lines and you try and look at that in the video and what reporters are saying and, and try and cobble together uh, something uh, in terms of uh, what's going on. And uh, that's kind of what I try and do. 
I think what you're doing is actually something that can be very helpful for uh, all the different fans out there and especially a lot of the media, because I think one of the things that we struggle the most with uh, as fans and uh, media personalities is, you know, trying to speak about injuries accurately. And one of the things that I've heard over the last couple of years since they've changed the offseason programs is that there are now more like knee injuries, more like ACLs, MCLs, all the CLs, like people getting hurt more that way. Is there an injury that you see that has become more prevalent with the change of the offseason workout programs, or is this just all kind of a media myth? Well, anytime there's an issue that comes up, um, usually the answer for why it is is multifactorial. It's not usually just simple as one thing. And I've written extensively and looked at the new CBA, not so new anymore. It's about to expire again. But uh, with less contact and no two-a-days and mandatory one day off and all these things, you would think there might be less injuries, but there hasn't been. So in some ways, the injuries have not increased, but in some ways it's significant that they haven't decreased. In other words, if you take fewer ski runs, you should tear your ACL less often, right? I mean, if there's less people on the hill, there should be less ACL tears in a given day. But that hasn't happened. And part of the reason why is that the con- the practices, as I view it, are non-contact for the most part, but they've become higher tempo. Many coaches, you know, use two and sometimes three fields. So there's, so they make use of their time. Look, from a coach's standpoint, if your goal is to get in 80 plays today and you're limited to one practice and you used to get in 80 plays with two, two a days, you try and cram 80 plays into one practice. That's just human nature. And if you're going high speed because you need to make usage of every minute on the practice field. That's how ACL tears happen. They're non-contact injuries at high speed. And so it's been about the same number, but there's been fewer, lesser contact and fewer practices. And so it makes sense that the non-contact injuries like ACLs or Achilles ruptures have not gone down. But overall, in general, over my time, slowly, I think there have been more and more uh, foot and ankle injuries uh, over time. And I think as players get bigger, faster, stronger, I mean, your foot doesn't get any bigger. Your Achilles tendon doesn't get any bigger. It's, you know, as you put a, a bigger size plant or bigger size tree into the same size pot, that's where you see the list franks and turf toes and uh, and all those other injuries that happen and all the number of high ankle so you mentioned before you know, the, the coach speak. Why do you think coaches approach injuries so differently? I mean, it, some coaches are a little more open to it uh, and some just don't want to talk about it at all. Is that just are some coaches tentative just because of the, the ed, not being quite educated on the injuries or the, they see it as a competitive advantage? Well, once again, I think a little bit of both. I think it depends on the individual coach. And and by the way, whenever I say coach speak, I'm not critical of Pete Carroll or uh, John Fox the way he was in Chicago or, or John Harbaugh in Baltimore or Bill Belichick. I'm not critical of them. They've had success doing things the way that they do it. I'm just interpreting what they're saying and saying it's, it's coach speak. Sure. First of all, you have to understand they're lay people. They're not necessarily medical in origin. So sometimes they make honest mistakes, but they're all obviously very intelligent people and they got there uh, for a reason to be head coach and they have a plan. And sometimes their plan is indeed 
competitive advantage, or maybe it's not calling out the player, or maybe it's giving the player privacy, or maybe it's just habit that this is what they they do. I know one coach in the NFL currently, and I won't say his name, who will literally uh, go after the game and talk to media purposely before he talks to his head athletic trainer or head team physician. So he can honestly look the media in the eye and say, I don't know. We'll see. And, uh, you know, having been in the league, there was one occasion, for example, in a preseason game, uh, actually it wasn't a preseason, it was a regular, early regular season game where our wide receiver tore his ACL. And the GM said to me, make sure you don't tell anybody because it's about to go down. And uh, basically uh, he was pining and trying to figure out a trade for Chris Chambers at the time. And uh, what I said to him was, of course, I'm not going to say anything. I never talked to media because I was on the inside at the time. And uh, I was like, well, you, but somewhere better go tell the player not to say anything when the locker room opens up if you're trying to keep it quiet. So, so sometimes there is an advantage in terms of uh, uh, to keep things quiet. Sometimes I think it's just habit in terms of how, how coaches see things and, uh, and, uh, and do things. And, and uh, one thing I've always said, and I've witnessed it before when I was in the league, uh, anytime you think a team is doing something stupid, the reality is we on the outside just don't know the real truth yet. In other words, when I was with the Chargers, there were many times people would say, what are they doing with this guy? Whether it was injury-wise or, you know, personnel-wise. And I kind of would know. And, and if the public knew the real reason, they'd say, oh, that totally makes sense. But the real reason isn't out there. So I think there's very few teams in the league that ever do anything that's truly silly. Now, there are things that, you know, trades you regret and so forth. But at the time, it had to make sense. And uh, nothing is done on a whim in the NFL in terms of the way it's staffed and the way they run ideas through people, et cetera. Well, I know a lot of Seahawks fans were concerned here this last week when Doug Baldwin got up on the microphone at his press conference and had some comments that about his knee and being less than 100 percent and that it would have an impact on him for the entire season. Uh, is this something that fans should be concerned about? On, an, on a concern scale uh, of, of one being, you know, barely registering concern and, and 10 being very concerned, uh, my reaction to that was about a two, uh, not very concerned. Um, think about it this way. Um, all the time, fans want access to players and for them to be honest. And now Doug Baldwin is honest and people freak out about it. Like, what, 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 what do you want him to do and what do you want him to say? From the outside, and once again, I have not examined Doug Baldwin, uh, my anticipation and expectation is he has some sort of degenerative knee, some sort of wear and tear on his knee where he needs some veteran rest. And, yeah, he's not going to be 100%. And, uh, but, you know, in the NFL, 80% often is a good week. And uh, I think what Doug is saying is if his knees were 100% healthy, um, you could expect even more out of him and, uh, the and you know, expect that he's not being lazy. He's going to need some rest here and there to, to make sure his knees are good. And uh, But he's still going to be a very productive wide receiver, I think. Uh, I think he's just 
letting everyone know uh, his true status. And, uh, you know, uh, if you really run around any locker room, uh, there are a lot of Doug Baldwin's with knees like Doug, Doug Baldwin's, and, and people just don't know about it. He just happens to be forthcoming with it is all. And one of the things that you do on your show, actually, is give out some of this advice just in terms of a fantasy perspective, too. A lot of people play fantasy football. So are you recommending someone or somebody wants to take Doug Baldwin in their fantasy league? Uh, you're still taking him about the same spot. You're not necessarily dropping him down because of this news. Yeah. And, you know, I do spots for uh, Sirius, uh, the fantasy channel on Sirius. But I tell them all the time, I'm a medical expert. I am not a fantasy expert, uh, and I'm glad the way you phrased the question. If you don't ask me in a in a 12 team PPR league, should I pick Dal- Doug Baldwin in round four or five? I, I don't know. Okay, um, all I can say is I don't expect a precipitous drop off, and uh, what he said didn't really change my opinions at all because you saw he was getting the rest in the preseason. There were hints of chronic knee concerns and that to me speaks of wear and tear and uh, this is kind of what I expected so to me there wasn't any new injury information that he uh, revealed and uh, yes on the podcast I do spend time talking about it but once again I think the information can be used for fantasy I think it can be used for gambling but it's not presented strictly as fantasy information or gambling information because I like to stay in my lane I'm just talking about the injuries and and so forth and uh, you know right now we're doing a Monday recap uh, and uh, we may get to a Friday preview as well but in the four podcasts in the preseason you know I have covered Doug Baldwin in this way to to talk about I think he's going to be okay in terms of uh, wide receivers I would be much more worried about Allen Robinson coming off his ACL than than, uh, Doug Baldwin in his knee. I don't have a lot of worry about Odell Beckham coming off his ankle fracture. I think Mike Williams will have a big year coming off his his, uh, back issues that slowed him down for the beginning of the year. And, you know, I was there, and maybe I'm biased, I was there for all the great years of Phillip Rivers where where he made a living and really kind of uh, his his signature throw was a back shoulder pass to a big – Malcolm Floyd or Vincent Jackson. And and that's what Mike Williams is. So, you know, those are the kinds of things we try and put onto the podcast. Well, on the other side for receivers for the Seahawks is, is Tyler Lockett, who just got a big deal. And, you know, he had just that gruesome broken leg uh, back in 2016, and it took him 2017. He said he wasn't fully healthy, too. I mean, when you have a, a broken leg that bad, is it is it normal to kind of take uh, a couple of years to really get your speed back? We started to see it come back just toward the end of the season, and I think that's why a lot of fans are hopeful, and maybe even the team, the, the reason why they give him such a big contract here to, to start the season. Well, you know, the bone is healed certainly by six months, but the rest of it, what we call fracture disease, I mean, a a bone doesn't break in isolation. I mean, all the muscles around it are injured as well and need to uh, readapt and then to get rid of all the scar tissue. So uh, if you're honest about how you feel, it's not unexpected that it's the following year or this year that he has his completely unencumbered year, even though he was fine to go last year. Um, yeah. And, and, and also, you know, the way these guys are elite, um, just missing the training time affects you. 
as you start over again because of the uh, inactivity and muscle atrophy from the practice from the fracture itself. Think about this: if you sat and did nothing and didn't even have a broken leg, and you were Tyler Lockett and you were at that elite level, and you didn't train and do anything for six months, how long would it take you to really get back, even absent a fracture? I mean, it's going to take you some time to really get into it again, and I think that's what you see. You mentioned the way coaches talk in kind of a, a layperson way. Uh, we heard Pete Carroll call Dion Jordan's uh, issue uh, a stress issue with his leg. And I don't know if that means stress fracture, if, if there's other types of stress issues with legs. But uh, he made the 53-man roster, so I guess uh, it was just a matter of sitting out preseason and, and hopefully he'll be on the field soon. Well, that, that absolutely is the hope. You know, uh, you know, I, I did write an article saying, boy, be careful here. I mean, we've seen this stress issue before. If you look at the Raiders first round draft pick, Gary and Connolly last year, it was quote a, 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 a shin splint another code word for tibial stress fracture. And uh, I wrote that, boy, he's certainly looking like he's going to uh, not make it. And uh, indeed, he ended up having surgery, not finishing. I have no idea what Deion Jordan's situation is, but when Pete Carroll said stress issue, and the way that I interpret how Pete speaks sometimes in code, I was worried that there might be more. The fact that he's on the 53 is certainly a very good sign. I, I hope it's not a stress fracture. I hope he's going to be okay. But, you know, no way to know. And that's that's an injury where you couldn't tell off of uh, video anyways. You wouldn't see it. And uh, even if you had a stress fracture, you might be able to practice some. You might be able to play some, but then uh, it flares up again. So hopefully that is not the case for Deion Jordan and that he can play and, and stay healthy this uh, this entire entire season but there's there's no real way for us to know right now and uh, it, for for your listeners and so forth you know sometimes there's video that I can see and that's the, my preference but sometimes it's just reading uh, the through the the tea leaves and uh, when uh, when uh, Marshawn Lynch a couple years ago uh, with the Seahawks was having quote uh, groin issues and then he was flying to a certain doctor I said be careful here he's about to have sports hernia surgery um, athletic pathology sports hernia surgery and uh, I've, I've, I've gotten probably a, a, a couple hundred thank yous from people uh, who play fantasy saying thank you so much because I dropped them or I moved on uh, when I saw that and that, that happened a couple weeks before uh, the uh, the announcement. So sometimes we can get lucky, but it's not a hundred percent in terms of uh, what we see and, and uh, how I interpret things. But you know, everyone. You know, every network has a uh, referee analyst, and no question, especially this year with the helmet rule, there's going to be a, a lot of going to the referees. But there are way more injury issues than there are refereeing questions. So I'm just trying to be what I call the, the medical Mike Pereira. And uh, I've had the fortune of meeting, meeting uh, Mr. Pereira. And uh, I told him I used that uh, terminology and he liked it. And uh, <laughs> look, I, I want to be the medical Mike Pereira because he's, he's the best in the business at what he does with the referee commentary. So I'm just trying to do that on the injury side, injury analysis. And before you go, K.J. Wright ruled out uh, for the Broncos game coming up this weekend. He had his knee scoped, uh, apparently. About how long should we expect as Seahawks fans to see him out there? Of course, we get to see uh, Shaquille Griffin's brother, Shaquem Griffin, starting his play. So that's kind of exciting. But, uh, you know, we kind of want to see our Pro Bowl linebacker come back soon, too. No question. And and it really depends on what 
happened in the knee scope and, and how he's responding to the swelling and uh, and also quite honestly a uh, a coaching decision comes into play as well uh, you know certainly for simple knee scopes you can return in as early as two to four weeks and uh, you know obviously if you had something more significant as part of the knee scope like a microfracture it could even be seasoned I'm not saying that for KJ Wright I'm just saying there's wide variability one of the ways one of the things that I try and do is I try and tell people what I might know and give them insight but I'm also happy to say what I don't know because the worst thing you can do is try and give bad information. I'm not sure when he's going to come back, but uh, hopefully soon. But one thing to, to factor into the, the equation, whenever everyone has this impression, and I call it a misimpression, that return to play is based on the team doctor. And the Seahawks have a good medical staff there. It's not just the team doctor. To return to play, three things need to happen. There needs to be a unanimous yes vote for return to play between the medical staff, the player, and the team. In other words, the medical staff, the doctors, athletic trainers, and therapists have to feel like he's ready and able to play. The player has to say, look, I can do this. I'm in good enough shape. I'm used to the refs. I have confidence in my knee or whatever other body part in order to play. And the team has to say, no, this is a good week for you to return to play. Uh, you know, uh, or, you know, okay, great. You could play this week. You're 90%. Let's go with Shaquem right now and uh, let's get you to 100 because it's a long year. I don't know what discussion are happening behind the scenes, but it could be that type of discussion as well. Dr. David Chow, appreciate you coming on the show, spending time with us. And where can people go to find your podcast, find you online? Well, the easiest place is uh, if you go to Twitter at ProFootballDoc, D-O-C, and uh, that'll get you to the LA Times and Union Tribune articles that are housed at profootballdoc.com. And then, of course, um, you know, the, the podcast, I think you can find them in all the, the places, iTunes and otherwise. But I usually try and pin the latest one to the uh, top of the uh, Twitter page so that it's uh, easy for people to find. Well, a big thanks to Dr. Chow for coming on the show this week. And Adam, what do you say we get into our picks and the second half of the show? Hell yeah. I'm ready for picks, man. This is uh, this is the time of year where I get to begin kicking your ass at uh, picks. This is going to be so much fun. All right. As we get into the second half of the show, getting into our picks. Hey, be sure to gear up for the season uh, by going to fanatics, seahawkerspodcast.com slash fan. Get your gear there. And a portion of that gets kicked back to the show. One of the cool things about uh, fanatics has donated five $25 gift cards to, uh, for the pick'em league this year. So we will be giving those away as prizes, but week one, Adam, mm-hmm. for the pick'em CJ Procise autographed Jersey to the winner of, uh, among our VIP flockers in the pick'em league. Holy smokes. Are you serious? Yeah. That's a heck of a prize right out of the gate. How many, how many VIP flockers are there? Everyone who's $3 and above at at gettingtheflock.com. Okay, cool. Well, uh, I was just going to say, you're, I mean, the odds probably are pretty decent that you could, you have a shot at that thing. Oh yeah. It's probably, I bet it's, we might have 150. That's about what I would have guessed. Okay. So yeah, I mean, all you got to do is beat 150 people and that's yours. Right. So I, I feel like I'm getting a CJ Pro size jersey. (laughs) Just telling you. Yeah, CJ Procise autograph replica jersey. And I was I, I took a picture of it and posted it at gettingtheflock.com. I when I took it out of the package, I was very gentle with it. 
just so so nothing happened to it as I was, uh, you know, taking a picture. Right. Yeah. Cause you, well, you, great. Because they're pretty fragile, those jerseys. Well, you never know with ProSize. <laughs> That's a pretty good point. Okay. <laughs> Well, getting into our picks and our picks will be part of the bonus shows here moving forward, but uh, including it in a regular show this week because we had to get a little preview out for the Denver game. So let's kick it off with the Thursday night game. The Atlanta Falcons at the Philadelphia Eagles, 61% going with the Eagles and the, the Super Bowl champions at home. Adam, who you got? Yeah, I got I got the Eagles. I'm with the 61%. Uh not that uh not that I feel great about it. I mean, Nick Foles like I just I know he was hot towards the end and he won the MVP and everything of the Super Bowl. That was last year. He's he looked like hot garbage in the preseason. They're a little banged up. They still have a pretty loaded roster, but I just think home opener celebrating the you know, Vince Lombardi trophy being in Philadelphia for the first time. Uh, all season. I think that's just going to be too much for the Atlanta Falcons to overcome. I mean, and it's Maddie mediocre. What else do I need to say? Well, knowing your hatred for the Falcons, I went ahead and picked Atlanta. I think this sets up really well. For... Already picking, already picking based on like anti picks for me. Yeah. Well, and, okay. and like you mentioned, foals of the preseason was not the foals of the postseason that we saw in that run no. toward the Super Bowl. I mean, I'm not super high on Atlanta either, but they have a good defense. They have a, a capable quarterback. And Are we sure they have a good defense? I, I think they're, yeah, they're going to be fine. Okay. I don't think they're better than the Philly defense, so this game could be close. But I do like the idea of Atlanta coming in and scoring a lot of points and having Nick Foles booed uh, at the stadium in his very first game as a Super Bowl champion. Oh, yeah, that, that has a distinct possibility of happening. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah, uh, actually, out of all my picks, this is one that I, I feel uh, the least great about. Well, moving on to the Baltimore Ravens, they're taking on the Buffalo Bills. This is going to be in Baltimore, and I am picking the Ravens to beat the Bills. Yeah, look, last time I saw Nathan Peterman start a game, he was throwing five picks. Now, like I, he's been better in the preseason, and I, I like him fine. Just a lot of people are pretty high on, on the Ravens, and I just don't get it. I don't see it. This is like the third year in a row. People are like, oh, yeah, they're going to be pretty good. And like, I'm looking at going, how? Well, I mean, what? what because Flacco's somehow going to like become good? Hey, he's I mean, playing for his job now with, uh, with the Is backup. it the postseason? No, I, I think no? it's going to make him feel a little bit more like the, it's the postseason, though. Because if he's he not, doesn't play well, they have a first-round pick that they can put in behind him. He's not playing for his job. Lamar Jackson's a long ways away. He probably like they're is. not they're not ready to to throw him in there. I just don't I just don't understand. Did everybody did, was there a different Joe Flacco that played last year that everybody else watched that I didn't see? Like because he 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 absolutely sucked last year, and I just I don't know how he magically gets better. I don't like the weapons. I don't like the defense, but I'm still picking him to beat Buffalo in this game. <laughs> I hate it. Well, the Jacksonville Jaguars are going on the road to take on the New York Giants and 71% are going with the Jags. Yeah, I went with the Jags as well. Uh, not because I don't think the Giants are capable of beating them. I, I think this was a, this was actually a difficult pick in my mind because Blake Bortles and crew, I just, uh, I don't know how that offense is going to function. I just don't. I mean, just key in on Leonard Fournette 
and uh, try to make Bortles beat you. I don't think he can do it. And really, the Giants defense has enough pieces, I think, to contain Fournette. So I think this is a low-scoring game because as much as everybody loves the Saquon Barkley pick and Odell's back, again, I watched Eli Manning last year. He sucks now. <laughs> right. It's it's done. And just because you got you know these other two guys doesn't mean that he's going to unsuck. Like he's a, he's he sucks now. We can all just agree on that. Plus, it's going to take a little bit of time for that offense to get clicking under the new coach and all that. I don't think it happens week one, so I'm going with the Jags. And your your assessment of these quarterbacks sounds an awful like uh, an awful like the Jalen Ramsey uh, playbook for quarterbacks. So I I like how you're carrying that over into the show. Hey man, I appreciated the honesty from Jalen. And not only that, how did I not mention Jalen Ramsey? I think he's one of the few corners in the NFL that can stick with Odell. Yeah, I, I have the Jags in this one, too. But I, I could see the Giants putting together a, a little bit of a game uh, just because I, I'm not super high on the Jags offense either. Yeah. Tampa Bay and New Orleans in an NFC South matchup. Not a lot of people liking Tampa Bay. Only 6%, 94% going with New Orleans. I have a feeling a lot of people. Uh, well, and it's New Orleans at home, too. I, I'm going with Drew Brees and the Saints. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tampa might be one of the three worst teams in the league this year. Uh, no Jameis for the first however many games because he's a knucklehead. Yeah. They have a strong and defensive line, though. Neat. Uh, Drew Brees. Yeah. Houston on the road against the New England Patriots. Only 11% going with Houston. I like Tom Patriot in the opener going with New England. Well, maybe this 12 right here will bump that up to 12% (laughs) because I'm going with Houston in this game. Really? Yeah, absolutely. Look, the New England wide receiving core uh, is kind of in shambles right now. Basically, it's all Gronk. Houston has a really good defense. The offensive line is still a bit in flux for New England. Um, I could see Tom Brady getting harassed all day long by that front from uh, Houston, whether that's Merciless or Watt or Clowney. Like that's a heck of a defensive front. Um, on top of all of that, Deshaun Watson's back. I don't know how many games his CLs will hold together, but I think it'll be one. I think you, I think you can put together a full game in this in this uh, in this contest. And with all that said, I've watched New England stink it up in Game One of the season multiple times over the Tom Brady era. And like everybody goes, "Oh my God, the Patriots are gonna be terrible this year." What happened? And like everybody freaks out, and then they're you know the Patriots for the rest of the way. So I, I think this is when you get the Patriots when you can we you, you can actually sneak up on them. I like Houston in this game. Oh, going with your risk pick? Heck yeah, man. I didn't even think about who I'm going to pick for my risk pick this week. I didn't even look at the percentages. So yeah, I'm I'm only looking at them as we go through the picks. So I let's think, define let's define what the risk pick is for uh, the listeners who don't know. Yes, for the new listeners, Adam and I like to challenge ourselves a little bit and find the one underdog who we really like among these groups of teams. And so when we look at the percentage of people who are are picking the games, if it's under twenty five percent then that is what Adam and I consider a, a risk type of pick because right. it's going against the grain of what everybody else seems to be thinking is a, a no-brainer. Yeah, and we have to make one a week. Right. Yeah, I challenge you all to do it too. It makes it a little tougher. But you know, it's almost inevitably going to happen that one of those teams is going to is gonna make it. And I don't think you can win the league without being a little bit risky in some games. 
Oh, I think you have to be. Yeah, there's definitely been weeks where I feel like I kept it pretty close to the vest and it was, uh, uh, you know, kind of it felt like, yeah, th- this slate looks like, you know, pretty easy to pick and it just it makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And then games are played and like I get three right on the week somehow and somebody who just like pulled them out of their butt, like ends up, you know, taking risks here, taking risks there has an amazing week. Yeah. You need that. Yeah. So Houston. Well, this next one will be my risk pick as the San Francisco 49ers go on the road against Minnesota. 84% are picking the Vikings. So I am going to take Handsome Jimmy to continue his win streak of seven games and go on the road against the Vikings and and get a win for the Niners in the first week. I'm going to predict that uh, Handsome Jimmy... Uh, keeps up his streak, uh, like you said, of seven games. You know, in this game, by throwing a pick in every single one of those games, he's throwing a pick in every single start he's had for the Forty ers Interesting. He's going to throw another one in this game. Like I, the Niners are a year away; they have no weapons on the outside. That defensive line for the Vikings is going to be in Jimmy's face all day. People have started to watch tape from this last year and Jimmy works almost exclusively with inside the numbers. They're going to work to take that away from him at first and make him beat him outside the hash marks. We'll see. We'll see if he can do it. This Niners team is might be the most overrated of all the teams in the NFL this year. I don't get it. They're a full year away, a full year away. And the Vikings are built for right now, even though I don't love Kirk cousins and in that whole crew, he's good enough to not make the mistakes in this game. It's at home. I like Minnesota. Yeah, I feel like if Case Keenum could do what he did with the Vikings last year, that Kirk Cousins will will similarly be able to, you know, keep it together enough for the for the defense to to put him in position to make plays. I'm proud of you. You got through similarly really well. Similarly, I know what a struggle that is for you. <laughs> yeah, terrible pick, but good job. Yeah, thanks. I, I had to do a wrist pick, and I know I get it. And that was the next best one as I as I flipped through. I get I get it. Next up, Miami Dolphins at home against Tennessee, the Titans and uh, Marcus Mariota coming into Miami. Yeah, I love Mariota. I, I kind of enjoy the Tennessee roster. I actually think it's pretty good. I like their backs. I like that defense. Yeah, I just I think Tennessee's a, a very solid team. I think Miami's a train wreck. Uh, they lost a lot of talent in the offseason. They lost I understand. Sue, they, but their quarterback's coming back, but they, they lost Jarvis Landry to the Browns. Was Tannehill good before he, before he left? <laughs> He's okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I have no faith that Ryan Tannehill's the answer there. Um, I think Miami's one of the worst teams in the league this year. They're in the bottom five. They're trash. Tennessee all the way in this game. Cincinnati going on the road to Indianapolis, and this is probably one of the lowest confidence games that I've seen on the schedule because this is essentially a a coin flip game for a lot of people. Uh, 43% going with Cincinnati, 57% going with Indy, and I went with Indy because they're the home team. I think these two teams are going to be very similar. Uh, I'm not going to go say similar literally again. Yeah, yeah. Good. These teams are a lot alike. They're yeah, they're they're comparable. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I think the Cincinnati roster is actually far better than the Indy roster top to bottom, uh, especially on defense. And I, I get it, Andrew Luck's back, neat. Um, but let us not uh, forget that Kristen Michael 
is uh, either him or Mac is the starting back there. Like, just let that wash over you for a second. Yeah, that's that's not looking good. Other than T.Y. Hilton, I don't know what Andrew Luck has at his disposal. You know, Andy Dalton's good enough. Uh, AJ Green and company, like, they actually have some weapons there. Uh, I'm curious to see what the Ross kid does. I mean, the blazer from Washington. Yeah. Um, people that, you know, there's been some big talk about that. I like Cincy in this game. I would absolutely take the Bengals if this were in Cincinnati, mm. but because it's Indy on opening day, that's, that's just, I, I think the emotion there for, for luck to pull it all together for one game. Now, whether or not he'll be able to do it all season, right. but I think he's fired up enough to, to get a win in opening day at home. Yeah. Pittsburgh. Against the Cleveland Browns, the improved Browns this year. I'm still going with Pittsburgh, though. Yeah, I got actually an inside tip from Michael Kendricks. Oh, and he, yeah. And he told me that uh, the Browns are still terrible. So I <laughs> so I, I, I took the Steelers. Michael Kendricks going to jail for insider trading, which is pretty. Funny. That, that's pretty funny. Twelve uh, percent going with the Browns. Eighty eight percent still going with the Steelers. Yeah, I mean, it just uh, do Le- we even have to count the ways? Levy and Bell might not be back though. Oh my stars! No way. Yeah, I yeah, they went. Up, they, they're like ten and four without him. KC on the road against the Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. Sixty-two percent going with them, and only thirty-eight going with KC and the rookie quarterback. Well, not rookie, but the their rookie quarterback from last year getting his very mm-hmm. first start. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, first opening I, day start. Yeah, first opening day start at the very least. Did he start week seventeen? I think he started week seventeen. Okay, yeah, something like that. I mean, short of a couple of good preseason performances and like a week seventeen performance, like everybody is so high on Mahomes, man. Mahomes, I just, I, I just remember watching him out of college. That dude's a straight chucker, and if there was anywhere he could go, it was Andy Reid to straighten him out. But he's still a chucker at heart. Like, I just, I don't like that, uh, that roster for Kansas City. You know, the defense has gotten older. I I just don't see the talent on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, short of Tyree Kill, what else do you have on offense? You're going to give me Sammy Watkins? He's stunk on three different teams now. Yeah. I'm not sold. I don't, I don't like Kansas City as much as they got their tight end. That's good. Yeah. Travis Kelsey. Okay. That's fine. So, but I still just, I think it's a downgrade for them at least this year going from Alex Smith to Mahomes. I do. He's going to struggle, man. Yeah, I, that's another guy I think who needs a year to get good. I th- I think yeah. this division's going to come down to to Denver and San Diego. I or to Denver and Los Angeles. I think it's going to come down to Los Angeles. Yeah. That's it. And then the other three teams are going to be battling for whoever's the, you know, consolatory second place. Like the Raiders are abjectly bad now. They could be bad. That yeah, getting rid of Mac is not helpful. And they're the the Broncos are one Keenum injury away from disaster. Good point. Yeah, they have nobody <laughs> behind him. Nobody. And uh, you know, like I said, I don't really like this Kansas City team. So I don't, I don't know. Oh uh, yeah, I'm going with the Los Angeles Chargers. I am so stoked that I didn't say San Diego because uh, that's going to be an enormous struggle all year. You know what? It was really hard because we had Dr. Chow on the show who was the team doctor yes. for the San Diego Chargers. Correct. And so I had that in my brain because it wasn't he didn't work for the L.A. Charger. No. San Diego. Santiago. 
Seattle at Denver in the opener. I know I said I don't feel real strongly about it, but I am picking the Seahawks because I don't want to uh, I, I symbolically lose 40 points. All I know is it's Russell Wilson versus Case Keenum. Yeah, exactly. And when, you, and when you say that, it, it makes it for an easy decision. Now, 45% going with the Seahawks, 55% going with the Broncos. People be sleeping on the Hawks, baby. They are. Yeah. Although it, looking at the confidence rating, they're not really uh, high one way or the other on this game. No, I, which I understand. We kind of talked about that. Dallas Cowboys on the road against the Carolina Panthers, and people are liking the home team in this game. 74% with Carolina, only 26 with the Cowboys. I hate this game. Yeah? I hate this game so much. That's not even a risk these teams. pick. It's, it's just high enough that you can't pick the Cowboys as a risk pick. Yeah, and I don't feel, I don't feel great about Carolina, and I, I certainly don't feel good about Dallas. I'm going with Carolina. <laughs> Just because they're at home, yeah. I mean, because the great white, the great white hype is back. McCaffrey this year, like everybody's talking about how many more touches he's going to get and how they're going to center the whole offense around him again. Didn't we see that case study fold out unfold last year, where we proved that you can't just run an offense through dinking and dunking to the running back the entire time? It, it you might can't get do you, it. It might get you a win against Dallas, though. Yeah, and Cam's not accurate. Like, I don't Sean know. Lee. See, Sean Lee could shut down the dinking and dunking. I know. I hate this pick. I don't. I don't like picking Carolina. It doesn't feel good. I, I nothing about me screams confidence with this pick. I wouldn't like picking Dallas in this game either, which is exactly why I picked Carolina. Okay, so we're on the same page. But we God, are. I hate it. Well, I didn't really like picking this next game either because it's Washington against Arizona, and I have the opinion that both these teams aren't very good. Uh, which made me go with the home team with the Cardinals, which I don't like because I feel like I'm picking a lot of wins for our uh, NFC West rivals. Uh, 64% though in the same boat with Arizona, 36% with Washington. Wow. That stuns me because Arizona could easily be one of the bottom three teams. I think Washington could be too. I think they're better than that. I think they're better than that. Alex Smith versus Sam Bradford. I, I take Alex Smith every day of the week and twice on Sunday like that. Absolutely. Alex Smith is a decent player. At least Arizona has a running game, though. Washington couldn't even decide who they wanted to, to put behind the... Well, well they all their decide. dudes got hurt. He just blew out his knee. Yeah. P. Ryan got hurt. The, yep. the dude they drafted got hurt. Guys, yeah. No, I think, I think Washington's going to be like... Washington could finish 7-9... and nine. Six and ten, and Arizona could literally win two games this year. That's an awful roster. So you're going with I'm the going skins. Washington. Yeah. Well, this could be a fun game now with Khalil Mack on the Bears taking on Aaron no, Rodgers well, and the Packers. It, it could be fun to at least watch. You think Mitchell if, Trubisky is going to win a game in Lambeau Field? Do you know if uh, if Aaron Rodgers' collarbone is going to survive a, a couple hits by Khalil Mack? Well, I mean, he'll make it through week one. Okay. Well, most people think so, because only uh, 6% going with Chicago. Uh, clear yeah. favorite is Green Bay. And yes, it's it's high on the confidence scale for people. So the, the other team that may be the most wildly overrated this year is the Chicago Bears. 
Yeah, That's a lot of people. Well, I was listening to the Around the NFL podcast and they made the Bears their their team of ATN for this year. It's going to be a disappointing year. <laughs> well, it generally is for who they pick as their yeah. team is of the, of the show. Yeah, I don't see it going well for Chicago, but they could be one of those teams that shocks you. No, no. <laughs> OK, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, will the New York Jets be a team like that the, shocks the Redskins? That could be a team that shocks me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I, I could go through and look at different different teams that like they're you might think are terrible, but actually do okay. Like Indy could end up being better than I think, just because of Andrew Luck. Yo, Kansas City could end up being better than I think. Yeah. Uh but not not the Bears, sorry. Maybe I'm just buying into the media hype a little bit on that one. It happens. Because I feel like it could, but it does happen. I mean, you can get caught up in that. I yeah, see a lot of Seahawks fans getting caught up in the in the hype around the Seahawks being terrible. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, you just have to listen to our show more. Exactly. We'll bring it we'll bring it back up to where you need to be. On Monday night, a team that I don't know if they could be good or not, they probably won't be, but the New York Jets taking on the Detroit Lions, who hey, maybe they could surprise some folks this year in the NFC Central. Central, yes. Uh I had to get that in there. Get it out of the yeah, way with the first one. You did. You got it. Now it's out. Now it's out for the year. Good job. No, I I don't see any way the Jets are a good team this year. I mean, Darnold's going to be fun, but he's going to throw a ton of picks. I don't see it at all. Uh, Detroit, like, there's some talent there. Uh, Stafford's still a a decent quarterback. We'll see how the Matt Patricia thing works out. Maybe he can bring that defense to a respectable level. That's Hell, maybe one they could piece get a that hundred... they had missing a lot in Detroit, right? Just having a, a defense that, but they've hired and a, a lot of defensive game. coaches too. The track record of Patriots uh, assistants going elsewhere to become head coaches has not been super favorable. No, I don't know. I don't really believe in Detroit, but I'm taking Detroit in the game. I'm taking Detroit to 85% of people going with Detroit, uh, only 15% with the Jets. That makes sense. And we get two games on Monday night this week as the LA Rams go on the road just up north to take on the Oakland Raiders. And it kind of pains me a little bit that Mac is going to be playing for another team and not going after Jared Goff in this game. Right. Uh, you saw one team that had money pay their superstar defensive player in their prime and the team that didn't have money ship theirs off for hopefully uh, draft picks. You know, did, did you see the, that story that the Rams are actually making a push to get Mac? Yeah. Yeah. Because they apparently have no salary cap. Like. <laughs> I don't know how it works. Yeah. And Donald was uh, the highest paid player for like, what, two days? A day? Uh, not even a day. Yeah. Yeah. It might have been like 22 hours. Yeah. That's frustrating for him. But uh, yeah, I honestly don't. Uh, Oakland's going to be bad this year. You know, I, I hate to say it, but this is a game the Rams win. The media seems to be reveling in the idea of Oakland being bad with with Chucky being back as the head coach. There's a lot of hatred towards Gruden. I'm I'm hearing out there. Uh, it, I, look, I'm not. A lot of I'm people rooting for that, him to lose, though, is yeah. a little bit weird to me. Well, a lot of people think just saying he can't possibly be good again. Sure. And look, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to go out there and light the world on fire as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders, but he could be okay. I mean, there's. There is that possibility. Everybody I hear talk about Gruden is just, oh, yeah, that's a disaster. They, it's because they want it to be. I guess, yeah. I don't know. We'll see. 
But I, I, I don't see them beating the Rams week one. No, no. 75% going with the Rams and 25% going with Oakland. That seems high. I can't wait to be wrong about that pick. That'd be amazing. I would love to be wrong about that pick. Yeah. Well, they're in the books. And one thing that we're doing, make sure to pick your tiebreaker this year because we do have that we're going to we are going to have a number one person uh, mm-hmm. whether or not you you pick the so it's the cumulative score of the last game listed uh, on your picks so it will be the the Oakland game against the Rams that will decide the tiebreaker if ever if you get everything right along with two or three other people it'll come down to that score and I picked 42 points uh, I chose what did I choose I chose 28 <laughs> oh okay yeah. And if you happen to pick the same score as somebody else, then it goes to the tiebreaker, I believe, goes to uh, the person who got their picks in first. That makes sense. Yeah. You reward right. the people who uh, are, are confident about it right away. Right. I guess. Huh. Cool. All right. Well, as long as we have a plan. That yeah. works for me. Well, as we close out the show, why don't we thank a few members, of the, a few new members of the flock, Adam? Welcome, you little floggers. <laughs> And to start off, a thanks to associate producer Dustin Mock. Welcome to the flock to Luke Wardman in for $5. Welcome to the flock, Luke. What up, Luke? Andrew Hoffman in at $3. See, a lot of people getting into the, the Pick'em League under the deadline here. Andrew's I, one I of noticed them. that. Yeah. Welcome. I mean, we're happy to have you among the flockers here. Uh, but uh, I see how it is. You, you, you kind of just, you know, you don't get in all summer, but, you know, at least they're deadline motivated. They're like, all right, I got to get in for the I got to get for in the for the pick and league. league. Yeah. yeah. So I'll give you that. Nate Hankey in for $3. Welcome to the flock, Nate. Craig Weinman also in at three. Welcome to the flock, Craig. Alex Patton in for three. Welcome, Alex. And uh, four more here. Samantha Gordon. Welcome to the flock in for $3. Imone Brusson in for three. Trudy Acey, in for three. And Matt Sedone, in for a dollar. So stickers and bonus shows for Maddie. Welcome to the flock. Welcome to the flock, guys. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy competing in the Pick'em League. And I I enjoy the email that we get in after hearing the picks uh, each and every week. Because there's a lot of good trash talk. And people come at you. And that's a lot of fun. And now, since you're in the flock, you get the bonus shows. So you actually get to hear the picks. The picks are fun. Yeah, it's like, a it's a fun show that we do during the week, and we we talk a little junk. We read some of your emails, and, and yeah. we just have fun with it. Yeah, I mean they're generally shorter, but you know it's a good time. So all of you folks that aren't in the flock, you're gonna be missing out on that. Just so you know, Jose Cantero Holgan is in. He gave a PayPal donation of three dollars. So thanks to Jose. Nice. And we got some raises, Hector. In at twelve twelve, up from seven. So thank you, Hector, for the raise. Oh wow! Yeah, we got Marcus McVeigh, who jumped up from one to five. So thank you, Marcus. He better not be a relative of Sean McVeigh. No, that would be that yeah. would be a disaster. Marcus, I want to see a family tree from you. Okay, <laughs> this is important. Need to make sure. Or, or get an ancestry dot com DNA test. Something. <laughs> I need proof. Okay. Or you're Can out. I have, or you're yeah. out of the uh, you're out of the flock, Marcus. We can't have any McVeigh well, family members. Or or we can t- since he is a twelve. Maybe somehow we could use him as a mole to infiltrate the Rams and blow it up from the inside. Oh, that's a really good point. Like not blow up the actual building, but like you know yeah. have the organization like freak out and have a problem. As long as Marcus isn't a double agent. 
then we could be in trouble. Dang, man. This got <laughs> complex fast. Is Putin involved? <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Keeney gave us a raise as well, up to five from three. Michael Burt got up to three, getting in the Pick'em League. So thank you, Michael. And yeah. uh, Vincent Parker, up from six to 12-12. So Vincent, oh, make sure Vincent. you you send in your audio. I also I have it set up. If you're 12-12 or above, you can be a part of our our uh, voice shout-outs at the, the end of the month. Once a month, we're going to air that. And uh, if you call in, so if you don't know how to work the recording app on your phone and and the email to go Hawks at seahawkerspodcast.com, that's the preferred way. But you can also go to 253-235-9041 and leave us a voicemail there and uh, that'll work as well. You know what's also cool? You can leave a voicemail there about anything. You can. We'll play it on the show. We've done it in the past. People just... I, I don't know what happened, but people hate talking on the phone now. They forget that phones are phones first. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, and it's amazing. You know what's amazing about telephones? You can call somebody, Brandon, and you can talk to them in real time, instantaneously. You can hear the intonation in their voice. You uh-huh. can get across a ton of information in a very short period of time. It is astounding, the technology that's in a phone. <laughs> yeah, everybody just insists on texting and Instagramming. It's so maddening. I hate it. Man, you sound like my dad, says every teen out there right now listening to this. Yeah, shut up, dad. <laughs> I know how a phone you... works. Leave me alone. Yeah. No, you don't, because you never <laughs> use it, you little snot-nosed punk. <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> Your daughter's not calling you enough, is she? You just want to hear from No, no, but I, I, I've tried. I've about got everybody trained. I was like, if we really need to, like, I am not doing the tedious, like, three-hour text-a-thon with somebody, give me the five-minute phone call and knock it out. Like, just come on. If, if you know Adam, don't just text him to say, hey. Like, just because I know a lot of people, they'll send you that initial text to make sure you're by the phone, where you say, hey. Like, you gotta just get to the point with Adam. Can't stand that. If you, if, if somebody texts me, hey, or what's up, what in the world am I supposed to say back to that? Hi. Responding to your pointless text. That's how it is. I hate that crap. You just have to it say makes hi me back. so mad. Get to the catfish point. <laughs> it's not that hard. Oh, it sounds like you already have a do better. Jeez, that might as well have been. No, I've got, uh, I've got other people. All right. Well, we did get one review. It says, just in time from Aaron, I recently got into listening to podcasts and found this gem of a show about two months ago. And let me tell you something. This has been the best podcast show I've followed by far. Great information and such a great culture. So glad I've discovered y'all before the season started. I'm excited to continue following and seeing this show grow. Best of luck from Las Vegas. Go Hawks. No, go Hawks, buddy. Well, Aaron, uh, I'm glad that you discovered us. That's great. Thank you for that. And to say that it's the best one by far, like, I'm so proud a button just popped off my shirt. Like, <laughs> okay, dad. There you go. There's another one. <laughs> yeah. Another dadism. <laughs> hey, dad jokes are part of this pod, man. That's true. All right. Well, Zach Wheeler says, oh, yeah, boys, Earl is back. Clutch stopper of scoring at the goal line. The bane of Rob Gronkowski's chest cavity. The man, the myth, the legend between Frank Clark, Bobby Wagner, Earl and the Griffin boys. I think we can expect this defense to knock the catfish out of some teams. Yeah, I think uh, obviously having Earl back is a game changer. Um, 
I think that's fantastic news. And uh, I mean, now when you look at it, you look at a very stout defensive line. You look at your stout with Bobby Wagger on the you know second tier, and now you're stout with Earl Thomas, uh, you know, patrolling the back end. That's that's pretty damn good. Oh, not only that, let's everybody remember McDougal's actually pretty good. Shaq's pretty good. And so it's really right corner is all we're looking at the defensive backfield now with Earl back. It's it's great. And he can help with that. Can't wait. We're going to see it on Sunday. Yeah. Let's get into do better and better life. My do better this week is for uh, SB Nation writer Tom Ryle. He uh, obviously writes for the Cowboys uh, because this is the title of his article. Cowboys news, colon. The Earl Thomas stream is finally completely dead. <laughs> well, we think. <laughs> At least we know he's reported. So this may really be the end. And other news, too. And uh, then it starts out, oh, they upped the offer and all those things. And uh, we know now that the Earl Thomas stream is now crushed. Unless the Seahawks are going to change their mind later. <laughs> they can't <laughs> let Leaving it, it open. They're leaving the door open. Dude, it was completely dead weeks, months ago. I tried to tell you. I tried to protect your little feelers, every one of you misguided cowboy fans, but somehow you still had your hopes up that you're getting Earl Thomas. Guess what? It ain't happening. He's ours. He's a hawk, at least for one more year. So to Tom Ryle, let it die, buddy. Do better. Do better. My do better this week is for Elliot Harrison and his stupid opening power rankings for the week. Oh, man, the po- all the power rankings have been rough. All the power rankings are bad. Uh, the Seahawks at number 27, uh, magically dropping <laughs> two, uh, two spots for seemingly no reason uh, in, in the preseason. <laughs> well, they went 0-4, remember? And that oh, matters. Right. Oh, right. So that drops them down below the skins who are at number 26 and drop five spots in the preseason. So, yeah, we're we're actually ranked behind the... Arizona Cardinals. So clearly, oh my God, uh, it's going to be a disaster this year. Give me a couple others. <laughs> oh, that are above or below? Above us. Okay. Raiders at 24, Dolphins wow. at 23. Wow. Because <laughs> we're not going to be better than the Dolphins. Oh my God. Yeah. Then it goes uh, Cowboys, Bengals, Broncos, Niners. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think any of those teams are better than the Seahawks this year. No. Did everybody forget Russell Wilson's a quarterback? Well, Andrew Luck's the quarterback of the Colts, and they have them at uh, number 32. So, Well, yeah, they're an abject disaster. There is literally nobody else on the team. There so, are other stars on the Seattle Seahawks. It's true. Still. <laughs> and we got one of them back. That's unbelievable. I think this did come out before Earl Thomas. So maybe, I don't care. <laughs> maybe according to his BS ranking scale that Earl Thomas gets us uh, back up above the skins. God. But for for Elliot Harrison, ranking us only above the Bucks, Jets, Browns, Bills, and Colts, do better, man. There's I can't wait to for the national media to eat be their, so wrong. Eat their words, yeah, a very good portion of the national media that just you know around the middle of the off season they're going, oh yeah, they're probably seven and nine, and then just as we get right before the season, everybody's dropping it down to to five and eleven. Six yeah. and ten. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't know what the. I. I finally. I finally have seen uh, two national writers or uh, national sports uh, pundits uh, actually come out and say, "God, th- these guys could be better than we thought." 
you know who it is too yeah and they actually were ones that visited the team and were around the players yeah peter king was one of them and another one i heard was bill simmons he was like oh yeah like i kind of started going through their roster and everything he's like these guys aren't as bad as everybody thinks they're actually probably pretty good it's just because we lost so many stars in the offseason that's no, why. we didn't lose them in the offseason. We lost well, them halfway through the season of last year. I know. And still finished with a winning catfish record. Yeah. It's just unbelievable to me. With a terrible kicker. Yes. Whatever, man. Yeah. Sleep on the Hawks all you want. But uh, we're coming for you. We're coming for you, NFL. We're coming for that NFC uh, West championship. We're coming for division titles. Yes, sir. Because we're on a quest to own the West. <laughs> we are. Uh, let's close this out with a better at life, Adam. You want to go co-better at life this week with our yes. Mr. Earl Thomas returning to the team? I do. I, I think do. It, I think it makes all the sense because he's back and he's going to be awesome. And I can't wait until we play the Cowboys in week three with Earl Thomas starting up, lacing up his sneakers as a member of the Seattle Seahawks. That's right. It'll be a good sight. Uh, long overdue. Definitely excited to have you back, Earl. Um, no hard feelings at all from our end of things. I think, uh, you know, we've kind of made that uh, known to everybody. But I often I picture I picture Earl a little this year, like uh, the king from uh, 300. Like he's the last of the L.O.B. Yeah. Like out there. Yeah. You know, he's like, this is Seattle. <laughs> like, you know, kind of pulls everybody through. I like having an angry Earl Thomas on the team. Yeah. Like, that could be really good for us. It could be very good for us. He could decide to punish the league. And with that, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Gotta do a better Go Hawks. This is week one. That was a lackluster Go Hawks? It was a little bit lackluster. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. I might have pooped myself a little. Was that okay? Was that better?